To whom it may concern. Why are we not taking principle six into consideration? Hey guys, welcome to To Whom It May Concern. I am Lizbeth. And I'm Amos. This episode's gonna be a little more on the bitter sweet side, and we haven't announced this yet, but this is going to be the last episode for a little while. Life is life, so we're gonna have to take a little break. It's not even that. Uh, I just kind of wanted each season to be 10 episodes, mm-hmm. and I guess life did get a little hectic. <laughs> yeah, it got it, life did come. You had a, a schedule for 10 episodes, and we're hitting that right now. Originally, it was supposed to be 25. Not even 25. I wanted to make episodes every single week. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that we didn't do that. Yeah, that, that wouldn't even be possible. It's just us. So it's like... <laughs> it's not even that it's just us. It's, it's a lot of information to kind of... I guess, yeah, it is just us. We got to research. We got to... <laughs> yeah, the editing process alone takes forever. The research takes a couple of days, at least. Yeah, it's just we can't just be going into everything without knowing about it. So that wouldn't work. Two weeks is stringent enough, especially with life, with stuff around us happening. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, this gives everybody time to listen to everything. Like, catch up on what you missed. We spoke about a lot over the last few months. So, like, it's a lot to listen to, yeah. new things to learn. We learned a lot. We want everybody else to join the conversation still. So catch up on the podcast. Okay, a little bit on the lighter news in the heights. Ooh, it comes off HBO Max today, but I mean, if you watched it, <laughs> if you did it, well, too bad. <laughs> It'll be back. It'll be back in like a month, maybe. Yeah, it, it should be coming back. This is completely different from the topic of the episode. I wanted to talk a little bit about what was happening yesterday on Twitter. What the heck? Like, So there's a new movie coming out on Disney. It's called Encanto. It follows a young woman around. I think her family has like superpowers and she's the only one that doesn't fit in because she doesn't have them. It's a cute Disney movie. I really appreciate that they're kind of focusing on a lot more culture based now because there was zero representation when we were growing up. So like we have movies like Coco, which was amazing. I love that movie. And now we're getting one for the Colombian culture. And they hired Lin-Manuel Miranda to make the soundtrack. People were not happy about it. One was because they're saying that they're hiring Lin-Manuel for everything. and He's not even talented, which I highly, highly disagree with. I guess it's people tired of his style. He has a style, clearly. Not a talented thing? No. Well, he definitely put in years of work just to get to where he's at as far as skill-wise. Even his accomplishments. He put way too much work into it. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, another thing like that people were bringing up is that we get it that he's like a Latino, but they should have given the platform to a Colombian artist, which in a way I kind of agree because they did that with Coco. I really liked that everything was inspired by Mexican music. The main character, Ernesto de la Cruz, he was inspired by Pedro Infante. And obviously he couldn't be in the movie because he died a long time ago. but they hired voice actors. Everything was really like heavily inspired by Mexico. They used Mexican folks. And they even had like famous artists singing on the tracks. One of them being Miguel. He's an Afro-Latino. So he has Mexican ancestry. And I really enjoyed that. And I kind of agree with the argument that they should have hired someone that was of Colombian descent. But then again, the same thing applies. He wrote the entire soundtrack for Moana. Another amazing, I love Moana. Again, they could have hired someone that came from Polynesian ancestry, but people didn't complain then. I guess, does my opinion matter at the end of the day because I'm not Colombian? I don't know. It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) It really doesn't. But I mean, I I get like you get what they're doing, though. It's like you go with what works, what they know works already. It's like he's proven. So that's what they're going with. But I do agree that it, they should hire people of the culture. But, like, he knows the equation to everything as far as the music writing goes and stuff like that. It's repeatedly successful, everything he does. So that's the reason they hired him. Yeah. He also did the Mary Poppins soundtrack. He obviously did the Hamilton soundtrack. He did the In the Heights soundtrack. He did the Moana soundtrack. And now he's doing this soundtrack. This man's brain is on, like... Everything is just going to sound a lot like Hamilton. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the thing. He definitely has a sound. 
that's also a thing that's probably coming off not good to people. I don't know. At the end of the day, like this man is the reason why so many doors are opening out for people like us. Because you never saw that, especially like if you think about Hamilton, which I fucking love. I listen to the soundtrack like every week. You never saw that on Broadway. People of color represent white people and then having like a hip hop take on stuff and then seeing In the Heights and then having that Latino storyline. And we mentioned this when we when we both watched it, that I love West Side Story. But the only thing that I have a problem with, which is a huge thing, is so these white people were kind of black facing in a way. And they were supposed to represent people that migrated from Puerto Rico. I mean, this is just kind of like a conversation starter. Obviously, we're not all going to learn in one shot, but you learn from your mistakes and hopefully he does too. Word. Anyway, okay, so let's get started with our topic, which has been making a lot of headlines. Shikari Richardson. I mean, she's not the only issue with the Olympics right now. It's been kind of basically almost like a century deep at this point. So I wanted to kind of discuss that. The Olympic Games obviously originated in ancient Greece. The oldest records date back to 776 BC, and the legend has it that Hercules, son of Zeus, and Achaemeni founded the games around the end of the 6th century BC. They were held every four years in Olympia in honor of the god Zeus. At the time, the Olympics were limited to freeborn male citizens of Greece, meaning that there were zero women's events and married women were barred from attending the competition all together. 1,500 years later, the games were revived in 1896 in Athens, where 280 participants from 13 nations competed in a total of 43 events. For the first time, the events will be open to international athletes, but to men only. Women would not be allowed to compete until the second Olympic Games. A total of 997 athletes took part in the competition, and 22 women competed in five sports. Tennis, sailing, croquet, croquette, however you say it, and oh my god. Equestrianism <laughs> and gold. Sorry. <laughs> As of 1994, the Olympic Games have been divided into summer and winter sports and now alternate every two years. It remains one of the world's greatest sporting competitions. A random fact about the Olympics, the logo is made up of five interlocking colored rings, which represent five continents of North America, South America, Asia, Africa, Europe, and Australia, which I count six. What the heck is that? <laughs> what is that? It's five continents. I just wanted to briefly mention this because one time I was at the dinner table with my family and me and my sister were talking about the seven continents because here in New York City, that is what we learned. And then my parents were like, you're crazy. There's no seven continents. There's five. And I was like, hold oh, the fuck up. Whoa. <laughs> So apparently, my parents unfortunately didn't finish school uh, because they had to immigrate to the United States, which is very common for a lot of um, people in third world countries. But when they were in school, they learned that there were five continents. And I googled this because I was like, there's no way. Most of the world teaches their students that North and South America are one continent. Antarctica is not a continent either because there's no one living there, I think. That's the thing or something like that. So that already eliminates two. So there's five continents. North and South America is one. Asia is another one. Africa is another. Europe is another. Australia is another. So that's a total of five continents. That's an odd way to look at it. but <laughs> that's, that's, Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was funny. And then when I saw this... um the Olympic logo. I never really thought about it being five continents, but that's that's what it is. We learn new things every day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the logo wasn't displayed until the Antwerp Games in 1920. The Olympics were not always lavish and over the top. It wasn't until the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games that they were televised and radio broadcasted. On the first day of competitions, a tradition was born. Hundreds of athletes marched into the newly built stadium by teams, and finally a lone runner arrived with a torch. Though it was inspired by ancient Greek drawings and writings of Plutarch, it will become a ritual for every Olympic opening ceremony. 
The festival was filled with Nazi propaganda, which divided the viewers and stirred some conflict. As it should. But (laughs) for those two weeks, Hitler was able to deceive tourists and viewers about what was really going down in Nazi Germany. As mentioned, a new stadium was built for this, along with a massive sports complex and a literal Olympic village, which Hitler referred to as the Village of Peace. Olympic flags and swastikas adorned the entire location. Since all essentials were placed in this village, they didn't have the opportunity to see the hateful side of Nazi Germany. Part of what they did was temporarily remove anti-Jewish signs, and newspapers began to use less harsh language towards the Jewish community. We all know now of the major anti-Semitic actions, like the concentration camps, where thousands of Jewish people were literally being exterminated. The official Nazi party paper wrote that Jewish and Black people should not be allowed to participate in the Olympics, but this ban did not end up being implemented because other nations threatened to boycott. By 1933, Adolf Hitler had successfully become Germany's dictator. As we all know, he heavily pushed the idea of Aryans being the superior race. Ha! Hence why all German athletes were controlled by the 1936 Olympics. Only blonde-haired, blue-eyed athletes with toned muscles were allowed to represent Germany in all sports, even outside the Olympics. All Jewish athletes were expelled from German sports teams. Some resumed their careers in other countries, like Eric Selig, a professional light heavyweight champion who immigrated to the United States. However, a total of nine Jewish athletes from other countries won medals that year, which I found kind of strange to hear that. I didn't know that Jewish folks even competed in the 1936 Olympics because obviously now we see like in the textbooks and like documentaries that people were getting killed for being Jewish. So I'm I'm surprised that they let them out freely or even allowed them to compete. If you look at Jesse Owens. Yeah, yeah, if you look at if you look at um, I know they have a movie. It's like a movie that they that they put out by Jesse Owens a few years ago. They were Jewish athletes that they they separated them. I guess they put them with the black people. So like they were kind of it was the Jewish athletes and the black athletes together, basically. So they were segregated. Yeah, they were segregated, but they were still competing. And they were the ones I guess. dominating. Like they were the ones. I they mean, were as we should. The like fuck? it was the black people, the black athlete and the Jewish athletes. They were dominating. So it's like Go off. Like, shit. come on, son. What's up? What's up? <laughs> These athletes were pressured by the Jewish organizations to boycott the games because of all the anti-Semitic rules being placed on Germany's Olympic team. After the games were over, persecution of Jews resumed. The head of the Olympic village, Captain Wolfgang Fjordsner, killed himself after being fired from military service because of his Jewish ancestry. The following month, on September 1st, 1936, Germany invaded Poland, and this caused the beginning of World War II. Isn't it insane, though? Just a month prior, they had deceived the entire world about what was going on, and then, poof. That sounds like any government to me. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, governments be on some stuff. When I first heard the Nazi Germany Olympics was the reason why the Olympics are so grand now, It's very ironic. And I just, I couldn't grasp the idea of it because up to this point, I've only heard like, oh, a lot of racism. Then I heard the concentration camps. And even hearing like Hitler was like a really, según he was like a good artist or whatever. He did like paintings or whatever. And then hearing that he's the reason why it got televised. It's the reason for like the big over the top opening ceremonies it still kind of doesn't sit right with me because all of this was to hide what was really going on. I mean, sometimes it takes the most sadistic minds to, like, think bigger than the rest of the world, to think on a larger scale, like Hitler. So it's the irony of that blowing the Olympics up to what we know it as now. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, I guess for, for the Olympians, for many Olympians, that's a great thing. So it Good thing they come out of horror, I guess you can say. (music) 
Now we're fast forwarding to 1968, the Mexican Olympics. Okay, so this topic is a little tricky to discuss for me because my parents have kind of barred me from discussing Mexican politics. Because no matter how small your platform is, you can easily get killed and there are eyes and ears on you at all times, even in the United States. So we're sticking to the facts that I found online without stating opinions, at least for now. Mexico is a democratic country by title, but many of its citizens disagree. A lot of folks have expressed their disagreements with the Mexican government for being corrupt, and tension was on the rise because of economic and political suppression, specifically against labor unions, for a decade prior to the Olympics. Protesters began to march in Mexico City in August of 1968 with an estimated 500,000 attendees. The president at the time, President Gustavo Díaz Ordaz, ordered the occupation of the National Autonomous University of Mexico, but protests did not stop. The Olympics were to happen soon, and students planned to use this as their boost to expose the government. Students gathered in Plaza de las Tres Culturas in Tlatelolco to challenge people in office. You could hear and read signs with slogans such as, No queremos Olimpiadas, queremos Revolución, meaning we don't want Olympics, we want a revolution. Ten days before the start of the Olympics, government officials ordered the demonstrators to be broken up. About 5,000 soldiers and 200 tankheads surrounded the plaza. In the end, over 1,000 people were arrested and hundreds of protesters and civilians were killed. The media had portrayed the student protesters as violent, but later it was discovered that the army had begun the chaos and were the ones that provoked the deadly ending. These students would influence other movements in the following decades, which we may or may not discuss in the future, still up in the air. But spoiler alert, none of these movements have been successful. Wearing beads and scarves to oppose lynchings and black socks with no shoes to highlight poverty, black sprinters Tommy Smith and John Carlos took the podium during the October 16, 1968 Olympic medal ceremony in Mexico City to receive medals in the 200-meter race. But it was a black glove and a raised fist during the national anthem that sparked an uproar. From the moment the two athletes would be vilified, but also celebrated. This moment heavily affected the lives of Smith and Carlos for years afterward. Widely deemed a black power salute, the men's gesture at the podium was by no means a random act. Instead, historians say it was a direct outgrowth of the political climate in the late 1960s. Duh, like what the hell, that's no brainer. Both the Rev. Martin Luther King Jr. and U.S. Senator Robert F. Kennedy had been assassinated in 1968. Civil unrest spurred by King's killing and racial injustice spread throughout multiple cities. Vietnam War protests on and off, college campuses spread nationally. The violence police unleashed on these protesters made international headlines. Although King had consistently preached a message of nonviolence, his assassination and widespread police brutality led young activists to determine that a militant political approach would be better to serve them. Amy Boss, professor of sports studies at Manhattanville College, said, Within the rise of black power, we see athletes making very necessary connections in terms of things that they faced within sports and also things that they faced in society writ large, and also understanding that athletes had a platform that they could put to use. The spotlight that they had is a rare spotlight for Black men in 1968. So being able to commit a peaceful, meaningful global protest, my goodness, that's a one in a million chance. Students at San Jose State University, Smith and Carlos were keenly aware of the political issues of the day and the oppression that marginalized groups faced. San Jose State sociology professor Harry Edwards founded the Olympic Project for Human Rights, which included Smith and Carlos as leaders. The project focused on the welfare of Black people globally and advocated for Black athletes. Specifically, they fought for the hiring of Black coaches and the barring of South Africa and what is now Zimbabwe from the Olympics for practicing apartheid. Edwards suggested that the athletes from older generations, such as Robinson, did not push hard enough for the racial equality off the playing field. This overlooked Robinson's efforts in supporting the U.S. civil rights movement and against South African apartheid. Those involved in the Olympic Project for Human Rights contemplated boycotting the Games. While Lou Alcindor, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, chose to set out the event, Smith and Carlos opted to attend because of the opportunity to adjust their human rights concerns before a number of spectators. They demanded Black coaches be added to the United States Olympic team, as well as the Black members be added to the International Olympic Committee. 
Alongside better treatment for black people worldwide, Smith and Carlos were concerned over an event that happened 10 days before the summer games began. The incident, along with their existing concerns about human rights, influenced the pair to make a political statement at the Olympics. A white Australian athlete named Peter Norman shared the podium and took a stance by wearing a badge with Carlos and Smith. The duo stepped up on the stages wearing their symbolic beads, scarves, socks, and gloved fists. Carlos used a black t-shirt to cover USA on his uniform to, and I quote, to reflect the shame I felt that all my country was traveling at a snail's pace towards something that should be obvious to people of goodwill. Duh. Both men also wore Olympic Project for Human Rights badges, as did Norman, who would ask how he could support their cause. Sharing just one pair of gloves, Smith wore a glove on his right hand, and Carlos wore one on his left hand. The stadium became eerily quiet, Carlos recalled in his memoir. Both Smith and Carlos were suspended from the U.S. Olympic team and forced out of the Olympic Village. Death threats awaited them when they made it back to the United States. Their political statement cost them greatly, according to Douglas Hartman. The vast majority of Americans saw them as traitors, as villains, or at least as un-American, unpatriotic, Hartman says. What kind of bullshit? Ugh. The same thing that happened to Kaepernick. For Smith, who was in the ROTC at the time, he quoted, That was the end of my military aspirations. Both experienced major personal challenges. Their marriages fell apart. Carlos had difficulty getting employment for many years. The pair briefly became NFL stars. Smith played three seasons for the Cincinnati Bengals, and Carlos played one year for the Philadelphia Eagles and another for the Canadian Football League. Carlos went on to become a community liaison for the 1984 Los Angeles Summer Olympics. Both men also worked in education. In 1972, Smith coached track at Oberlin College. After Oberlin, Smith taught sociology and coached cross-country and track at Santa Monica College. Carlos was the guidance counselor at Palm Spring High School in Southern California. In 2008, 40 years after they raised their fists at the Olympics, they were honored with the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage. President Barack Obama recognized them during a White House ceremony as they were asked to become U.S. Olympic Committee ambassadors in 2016. Peter Norman died in 2006 without ever being acknowledged for his contributions. Though he kept his silver medal, he was regularly excluded from events related to the sport. Even when the Olympics came to Sydney in 2000, he was not recognized. Carlos Smith, who kept in touch with Norman for years, were pallbearers at the Australian's funeral. In 2012, the Australian government finally apologized for the treatment Norman received in his home country. In 2014, Russia hosted the Winter Olympics. There had been a recent law signed June 11, 2013, called the Gay Propaganda Law. The law was, quote-unquote, for the purpose of protecting children from information advocating for a denial of traditional family values. Vladimir Putin said that gay people weren't going to be subjected to harassment at the Winter Olympics in Sochi, as long as they stayed away from children, referencing younger than 18. Um, being gay doesn't make you a fucking pedophile, but okay. We do not have a ban on non-traditional sexual relationships, said Putin in comments reported by Russian agencies. We have a ban on the propaganda of homosexuality and pedophilia. I want to underline this. Propaganda among children. These are absolutely different things. A ban on something or a ban on the propaganda of that thing. Okay. Putin expressed that there was no punishment for gay relations, nor was there any reason to feel tense about the topic while being there. At the same time, Russia's gay community reported a rise in homophobic violence and threats. Gay rights rallies were also banned in Russia. Putin said that Sochi would be held without discrimination on any grounds, but Russia wouldn't follow or accept European values on sexual orientation. Athletes will receive fines if they fail to abide by the laws of Russia during the Sochi Games of 2014, but no imprisonments. To prevent athletes from getting into trouble, the U.S. advocacy groups Athlete Ally and All Out proposed a way for athletes to safely highlight gay rights abuse in Russia. They encouraged competitors and spectators to display the logo P6, referring to Principle 6 of the Olympic Charter, which states that any form of discrimination with regard to a country or a person on the grounds of race, religion, politics, gender, and otherwise is incompatible with belonging to the Olympic movement. Several U.S. publications embraced the campaign, one being Vogue, which featured a black P6 hat designed by Alexander Wang. 
the 2020 Summer Olympics delayed one year because of COVID-19 pandemic that we we still facing now. Boo. Will be held from July 23rd to August 8th, 2021 in Tokyo, Japan. Shikari Richardson, the fastest woman in the United States right now, she's 21 by the way, has been dropped from the U.S. Olympic team. She tested positive for marijuana, which is a banned substance according to the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. The initial ban was one month, leaving a chance for her to still go to the Olympics this year. But now it's official that she didn't make the team at all. And now this is where I want you to come in. What, what is your thoughts on this? Uh, well, <laughs> what are not my thoughts on this? I was pissed off because obviously marijuana is something that is frowned upon. And as we talked in a previous episode, it was a tactic by the U.S. government to kind of imprison people of color. And I think it's bullshit when we have, like, especially here in New York City, we just passed the legalization of marijuana, California, and I don't even know what other states, but it's a few states around the country that are allowing the legalization and decriminalization of marijuana. Marijuana is the reason why a lot of people in California, because of the Bill Clinton fucking three strikes rule, people are in prison for life for having marijuana in their possession. Serial rapists are literally walking outside. They can be our neighbors. They can be our family members. They can be our friends. They can be anyone. And they don't get prosecuted. So it pisses me off to see that she lost this opportunity. Maybe this could probably, I don't know, this might just my opinion. It may disqualify her because it kind of ruined her reputation in a way. No, 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 no. I think I actually think this is going to force change in the rule. Like the acceptance of marijuana as far as like being tested for the Olympics. I don't know. I think this is going to change that for sure because I I feel like it's the perfect time for this to happen. Yeah, but you got to think about the fact that we live in the Western world where a lot of things, we're like a little bit more on the liberal side, even though like our fucking, the infrastructure is still fucked up. But you also have how many countries around the world. I can see that happening for the roles here in the United States, but if it's to go somewhere else, like, let's say, like, right now, like, I don't know, like, we're going to Japan, Russia, we discussed Mexico, too. All of these places, marijuana is illegal. We're not on the same page. Um, I did see that Nike, though, they kind of backed her up and they said that they were going to still sponsor her, which I thought was really badass. I think that's why it's not. I don't think her reputation is taking any hit from it because of the backing she has. In that sense, yeah, I don't see it her like taking a hit for it, but I do agree with your stance on like it's not gonna be just us. In this case, I was referring to like the U.S. Doping Agency, which that may change for them, but like as far as worldwide, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. And also, I know you don't like Kaepernick. <laughs> um, I don't dislike Kaepernick, but he—he's he, he, not good. <laughs> he paved the way for her, like. If this were to happen without Kaepernick taking a knee, she probably would have lost all the sponsorships. Like right now, Kaepernick is one of the people that are being sponsored by Nike also, which is pretty cool. But when he was protesting on the field, he lost everything. He lost his career as a professional athlete at the time. And now a few years later, like now that the whole Black Lives Matter movement happened last year in 2020, which was the bigger marches and protests. It wasn't until then that the NFL was like, oh, maybe like we did fuck up. But I think it was more of a I kind of fucked up, but I'm not I don't really want to take accountability. But like I kind of have to because everyone's kind of mad right now. I feel like that's what we're on. Yeah, that's the cliche company thing. That stance that he took, which was needed, and they made a big deal about his stance literally gave him a career another career a second career which is wild but it was necessary and i don't know why it was such a big deal i still don't know why such a big deal about some national anthem or like like, chill with it ain't that serious when i saw that going like on the news like oh he's so disrespectful i remember growing up in I don't know how it was in school, but New York City Public I, I always reference them because that shit it was traumatizing to me. I pledge allegiance. Oh, God. To the fly. God, shut up. Shut up. No. <laughs> but we always had to place our hand over our heart. I personally 
never liked doing that, especially growing up. I was one of those students that were kind of told to not speak Spanish. You have to speak English. You have to learn English, like stop speaking Spanish. And I would get like in trouble if I did speak my native language. I felt no connection to the Pledge of Allegiance or the anthem or any of that. I, I didn't care for the flag. For me, I love the Mexican flag. To this day, I love the Mexican flag. doesn't matter how much I disagree with politics. Maybe, again, maybe in the future we'll discuss that. To me, what I am is Mexican. I feel more Mexican than I am American. But at the same time, it's like when I go over there, I feel more American than Mexican. I feel like I don't really belong anywhere. But I have no connection to the United States flag. I feel like there has been so much trauma. So kind of seeing that happen to them as an athlete reminded me of when we would get detention because we would refuse to put our hand over our heart and we had to recite the Pledge of Allegiance or we would get detention. You couldn't just stand there. But I don't know if any of you were kind of punished, quote unquote, for not participating. See, the good thing about being a child, you you start to make games out of it. So like we obviously had to do that every single morning. So it came to the point where, for me, it became, how fast can I say it? <laughs> like, You're so different. It would be, <laughs> be like maybe two, so I could say the whole thing in like two seconds. But to say that, all those songs, the Star Spangled Banner, all that, that drink trash. I'm just going to put that out there. I said it. Drink garbage. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the beginning of the nation, so. The Confederate. Yeah. yeah. But like, drink whack. Like, they, they definitely know Lin-Manuel. I mean, this entire country has kind of been built on all of the hate towards people like us. And I feel like we always kind of end up getting the short end of the stick because all of these stigmas surrounding kind of like the actions and the activities uh, that we take as a community. Even getting back to like the weed combo. Obviously, for a while, it's kind of, uh, I mean, I guess here in the United States has been kind of in the conversation, like I said, of decriminalizing it. And uh, people have been studying the positive effects it could have on people, especially medically. I guess that's one of the reasons that it's easier for us to see the positive side of using this substance. I've even kind of considered it and I've mentioned to you, I've had conversations with you and it's kind of been an issue for me because my parents are very uh, Catholic, not necessarily conservative, but they're just really old school when it comes to stuff like that because they did grow up around the whole war on drugs and they do see a stigma around it. But I, again, I suffer from PTSD and very bad anxiety and panic attacks. And one of my um, symptoms can be controlled with THC and CBD. So I, I've definitely considered it, but I think my parents are a huge factor on this. And again, just kind of being raised around that and being manipulated and educated in a way where they don't really understand the benefits of it. Uh, I thought it was really fucked up to kind of blame Shikari for what she did. She used it to cope with the death of her biological mother, which I'm not sure. I found this out and I thought it was horrific that she found out about the death of her biological mother through a reporter. How accurate is that? Well, I mean, I watched the interview with her on today. It was her, I guess she was breaking her silence about being disqualified from the U.S. Olympic team. And she spoke about how the reporter asked her how she felt about her biological mother passing. So she said that she ended up smoking and that's the way that she coped with the death. She was mourning. I mean, as she said, she was wrong. Like, I know you have to deal with that. It's a mental health thing over an obligation, quote unquote. But as far as the Olympics goes, she was clearly wrong. She knows that. She took accountability for that. She basically chose not to participate in the Olympics by doing that. She knew what she I was guess, doing. yeah. You know the rules. She's a professional athlete. She knows the rules. They get tested, especially black athletes get tested. When they run in like that, they get tested pretty often. I'm saying as far as the Olympics go, she chose not to do it. She chose her mental health over, quote unquote, representing the country or representing people it's an attachment to games, to entertainment. 
that people fail to realize everybody is a human being. I didn't see too much judgment against her or anything like that. It was just like, obviously, reporters and stuff. People that just want to create narratives. Oh, the lady? Yeah, people like that. (laughs) Can you just give context for what the Twitters? Oh, well, one Australian, I guess you could call her a reporter. But she tried to come on talking about Shikari Richardson as a steroid user. So was Flojo that passed away in 1998. She tried to claim that they're drug users, steroid users, because of their nails and their hair. People were coming at her. Well, yeah, no shit. I commented on Twitter. I called her a pendeja. I saw that. That shit got me tight. Once you told me that, you sent that to me. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind when you said that, I was like, so everyone in the hood is on steroids? Like, she just looks like a, a regular girl from, like, the hood. And everyone's like, oh, she has, like, very different style. She looks so different. Come to the Bronx. Just step in New York City. <laughs> like <I> said, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, the weave, the wigs, the lashes, the acrylic nails. I mean, you don't have to step in New York City. Just step on Instagram. <laughs> like, it's literally the trend. It's trends that this is all trends. It's been something for years, like decades. Why are we not saying that about, like, again, I always reference this because she's, like, the biggest influencer right now. Kylie Jenner, she wears weaves, colored weaves. She wears lash extensions. She wears acrylic nails. Like, reporters like her are not going around saying, oh, like, she's on steroids. I guess it's because she's not in, like, a sports thing. But you wouldn't relate the two. (sighs) Come to the hood. I mean, but Kylie Jenner is also not one of the fastest women in the world. Yeah, it's just like aesthetics-wise, like yeah, they do the yeah, same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's definitely a trend. It's just a trend thing. Aesthetics has nothing to do with steroid use. She wasn't pop for steroids. Flojo was never pop for steroids. And she's still sticking by it. She's like, yo, I don't, I don't care what y'all talking about. They was they steroid takers. Flojo was on steroids. That's why she died. Which that's not what happened. <laughs> okay. But yeah. She sounds like a whole Trump supporter. She's probably one of the most stubborn people you probably ever meet. You can tell by just what she retweets and her stances and how she responded to the backlash on that. I mean, but the thing is, at the end of the day, you're a reporter. The whole idea of a reporter or just like your job as a reporter is to not have a bias. To be objective. And And she's the most biased. (laughs) Yeah, you have to listen. You can't. That's uh, like Fox News, CNN very polar opposites you can't put your opinion into the news that's not how it works because then that's not news that's an opinion i mean the world is run on opinions a lot of times with big news uh outlets like that since she has the actual big outlet that's the only reason her tweet even got seen because she's somebody apparently we don't I care about her. her i ain't never Wait, heard I, ain't, her. <laughs> I ain't either but she verified with over 200k followers i don't know why people following her but whatever but um yeah what was i saying what was I th- what were we talking about? Shakira Richardson. I understand that people in general, worldwide people, like, you're not participating in the Olympics. You're not a professional athlete. But you hold people to a higher standard. Like, you can't really do that. People go through things. People are, everybody's human. So you can't hold that against her. She was dealing with something. It was a mistake. But it was, she chose that. Okay, so back like, to my point. <laughs> um... When you're mourning the loss of someone, even she mentions in the interview that she didn't have the most stable relationship with her biological mother. But something like that is still obviously going to affect you. She said that hearing the reporter tell her that her biological mother had passed was triggering for her because a stranger was telling her this information during an interview. So when you're mourning, I guess this is my experience I completely black out, can't process anything. I don't care in the moment. The way I grieve, some people grieve like this. You don't care what happens. You don't care about consequences. You just want to feel better. And I feel that that's exactly what happened because that's what she says in the interview. So I think it's fucked up to punish her for coping the way that she did for the loss that she had. That's something that's huge. It's not like her neighbor from like down the block passed away. This is her biological mother. She carried her through the entire term. She she gave birth to her. You know, like I just think it's shitty. Yeah, it is. But right now, that's the rules. Eventually, or at some point, it won't be anymore. As far as the U.S. goes, it won't be. Yeah, I I think mental health is finally being talked about, which I'm very grateful for. And that's something that we've been seeing a lot in sports recently, especially with that girl. Cannot remember her name because I don't watch tennis. But she backed out. I think it was from Wimbledon. Naomi Osaka. 
Yeah, she, was it from Wimbledon that she like left? I think so. I'm not. I'm not sure which one. I think Wimbledon did happen not too long ago, so I think so. Yeah. So she dropped out because she couldn't do the interviews, and I didn't know that you couldn't skip the interviews without getting fined, which I think is bullshit. She suffers from depression and anxiety. She didn't want to talk to people. Obviously, that can be overwhelming. Again, for me, my experience, if I'm already feeling not too great with my mental, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to deal with anyone. I don't want to pretend to feel okay for the entertainment of someone else. And I was really happy when I heard that she's coming back to the Olympics only like a few weeks after she withdrew from the other tournament. She's going to join the Olympics, but she's going to represent Japan. You look at it from a personable, like a, a human standpoint, because you have experience with stuff such as this, and it does make sense. Uh, their stance, the opposing stance on it, they signed a contract or whatever to do this. That is an obligation because you get paid millions of dollars to uh, uphold like contractual stuff, which she wasn't. That's why she was getting fined. That's for all sports. Literally all sports. Um, anything that induces fame as far as on people, basketball, football, pretty sure soccer, all that, everything. They have to be in um, like interviews and stuff, like post-game interviews and stuff like that. They have no choice. I think there should be an option to opt out, though. Because at the end of the day, okay, your job is to play the sport, you know? Yeah, but it's not only their job. The reporters have a job. Everybody has a job. Their job matters on these people. I guess. actually respond to interviews you can't you yeah. can't just exit them out and the reporters don't get paid nowhere near most reporters don't get paid anywhere near uh, what a athlete does you're talking about a millionaire just based off just sitting there some people a lot of people like the reporter from australia she probably get paid like because she's a founder <laughs> or something but it's, it's it's literally you can count the amount of reporters that get paid millions and those are like famous people as well they're basically athletes like Stephen A. Smith, people like that, they worked their way up to get to that level. Now they're getting paid millions, but most reporters get paid thousands. So they don't get paid anywhere near it. So they have to do their job. On the opposite end, you get paid millions. You being a human, a lot of people aren't prepared or don't understand what goes into being famous. And that's one of the things that come with being famous. You have to put yourself out there. You have like, if you're out there in the public eye and you're an athlete specifically, which is huge, and you're one of the biggest athletes, one of the biggest names in the world. You're going to have to be a part of that. Good thing is she can take a fine. That's She can take that hit. She's a millionaire. So it, it, that, like, that's a good thing that that didn't bother her. She could take the time away and take the hit. Like, I got to work. I got to focus on my mental health or you won't have me type of thing. It's like, yeah, that's the goal. Because here in the United States, even like taking a sick day, sometimes they won't let you do even though you work for that and you build those hours, which I think is bullshit. Again, a lot of experience with this. Obviously, I've had to deal with mental health. I needed a break. I feel everyone deserves a break. But I just I wasn't granted it one time and they were judging me like, yo, what were you doing? You were staying at home and just laying on the couch watching TV. You still have to come into work. It's not that simple. Literally, you can be curled up in bed. Didn't want like you don't want to do anything. You can't even eat. Can't take care of yourself. Okay, now, that's the perfect transition. You're the little man, right? The what? You're technically the little man, quote-unquote, the little man, right? What does that mean? A worker. Like, you you work. You're, like, a hardworking person versus, like, not saying they're not hardworking. Like, an athlete or somebody that's, not, like, you're not famous. You're not making millions doing the little. Like not you yet. Have to, you have to work extremely hard for your bread. Oh, yeah, especially as a woman of color. The hell? So, you coming from a, a working-class person... And you're talking about like the mental health breaks that you need as a working class person that you don't get granted. Now, imagine that reporter that doesn't get granted that they don't have that type of time to take off either. They can't do what she did and they have to go into work and they have to do the same thing. What if they going through the same thing? They going through it just as bad or worse or anything like that, but they still got to go do their job night and day. They still have to get up and they still have to do that. They over here, they expecting to interview her, forcing themselves out of bed. And she's not taking part in that. I mean, I guess. You not look at you gotta look at it from all aspects. She's suffering. But in the grand scheme of the world, she's suffering the least because she can afford to take off. But the thing is, I don't know. I disagree with I think it's your wording where you're like, she can afford the most. I feel at the end of the day, your mental health is not worth. It's, it's kind of like comparing her entire life to one interview. Sometimes you need a break. And if it's taking that one small hour or a few minutes 
away from these people, that little break can literally save your life. Because if you become overwhelmed during that interview, mm-hmm. we don't know what she can tolerate at that moment. Obviously, everyone deals with it differently. But like, again, I've dealt with this in the past where I'm just like, I need a day off. If I wasn't given the day off, that one day is going to lead me into a spiral that's going to give me horrible thoughts, may relapse a lot. And again, everyone kind of deals with it differently at the end of the day. Like that, I think the wording that you're like, the way you're phrasing it, just it mm-hmm. doesn't, it, it's not correct to me because I feel her life is not worth one interview. And I agree. I, I don't disagree with your point. I'm on your side with as far as like everybody should be granted mental health breaks. I'm just trying to bring an objective view. It's two sides of the story. I understand. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's just good thing. Like if she was somebody else, it would be different. But it all comes back to us, like the people in general, the human race enamored with sports because that's like a, a getaway mentally for a lot of people. You holding other humans on pedestals and that's extremely dangerous for no reason. Let's transition into a, a little bit more onto the Olympic side. I know we're covering yeah. it. There's a lot to talk about in the sports world, but we want to talk about women being banned for high testosterone levels. Again, the Olympics. Two teenage women from Namibia have been banned from participating in this year's Olympics because of their naturally high testosterone levels. Both 18 year olds, Christine, oh God, I am so sorry if I butcher these names. Christine. Mboma and Beatrice Misilingi. Christine recently broke the under 20 world record in the 400 meters, making her the seventh fastest woman ever in that discipline. But due to her testosterone levels, she can't go to the Olympics. What the fuck? Yeah. That's, this is not the first time this happened either. It was, I forgot what Olympics it was. I think it was 2012. I think it was a Jamaican athlete. She had higher test of uh, very high testosterone levels compared to everybody else. She was obviously winning. And that's kind of the case for Christine Boma. I think that's how you say her name. She qualified by breaking an under 20 world record. Yeah, but so look she was at winning. Look at how these people look. Yeah, I know. Everyone getting affected is black. I feel like it's a regional thing wherever they, like where they come from, they probably have higher testosterone levels. Like African areas where they have highest testosterone levels naturally, they can't really, how can you, like, what, you, they would want them to take drugs to lower their testosterone levels? Wouldn't that be against the rules as well? I'm confused. What? I don't know. I guess this also comes back to, like, should trans folks be able to compete in their gender identities teams? That has been an ongoing conversation. And obviously, if you're a trans woman, you're still a woman, but people's, argument is that their testosterone levels are a lot higher than i guess cisgendered women but then we also have again me (laughs) i deal with pcos so my testosterone levels are just naturally higher than the average quote-unquote average woman i don't i feel like this it can have different factors there's so much that goes into the anatomy of a human that can alter so many different things So to be disqualified for something that's natural, the statement is naturally high testosterone levels. It's not like they're taking tea or anything. It's natural. It's happening naturally in their body. I don't think this should even be an issue, to be honest. No rules are broken. You have a high testosterone level naturally. What's the problem? I don't see an ending to this dilemma. Yeah, I don't either. Which it kind of sucks for people that's going to have like naturally higher testosterone levels. You work your butt off just to get to that level and then, what, you yeah, can't, can't compete at the highest level. Yeah, I guess stripped. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Bullshit. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Like always, we will be providing links where you can donate. This week... We want to encourage you to donate to Good Kids Mad City, a Chicago-based nonprofit that was founded by predominantly black teens in April 2018, shortly after the Stoneman Douglas shooting. They provide a safe space with support and mental health resources for young people affected by gun violence, as well as hold forums with people in power to advocate for investing in underserved communities. We also want to spotlight Kaepernick's Know Your Rights camp. 
which works to educate BIPOC youth on their rights and provide legal resources for those who can't afford them. They recently announced the expansion of the organization's legal defense initiative on the national level, as well as aiming to help protesters across the country by providing bail funds. And again, really, really, really grateful. So fucking grateful for everyone who listened for the past 10 episodes and a couple of little mini ones that we did in between. It's really exciting to be able to do this. And I've been, again, I I planned this for two years and I'm glad that Amos was able to kind of be there by my side the entire time. And I want to give him a big shout out for kind of pulling through with this episode because I have been all over the place mentally. And then guess who got a design fellowship? Woo! Uh, Really excited. Uh, I've just been really overbooked with a lot of freelance and I, I, the, I always said that I wanted this to be my main problem, and I'm really grateful for everyone that has been cheerleading me on, everyone that's been really supportive about this podcast, anyone that has shared it, tagged us. It's really amazing to kind of see this little small project um, evolve. Please give Lizbeth Martinez a round of applause for me. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this in there if it's going to cut out or what. But look. You, you deserve everything you're getting right now, and I'm happy to be part of this. I'm glad you chose me to be a part of this. The last few months, we've seen this improve and progress. We're progressing pretty quickly, actually. I appreciate this progress. I appreciate this journey with you, and I enjoy seeing you win. So, like, I'm happy for everything that's happening with you right now. Everything, all the new the new jobs, you deserve it all. So, thank you for yeah. putting me in this. Yeah, of course. Oh, my God. This is kind of bittersweet. But we will be back in September, hopefully, and hopefully we'll be in person. Word. <laughs> Word. And uh, because this whole Zoom business is just, it ain't it. Uh, hopefully the world has healed a little bit medically because COVID ain't it either. But yeah, uh, thank you again. And yeah, stay tuned because hopefully we're, we're going to come back with more, greater, better content. Catch up on the, on the episodes. If you haven't, yeah. catch up on the episodes, share them, get into the conversation. We want to hear everybody. We want to see comments wherever you can put comments. Um, SoundCloud, you can put comments on there. Instagram, where we post stuff. We want to see comments everywhere. Like, Give, just, us, a, give us a review, please, because I don't think we have any. <laughs> we want uh, the feedback. We want the critique. All that. We just want to, we want to hear opposing opinions, agreeing opinions, like everything. Like, just come on. Yeah, and when you're doing that, please make sure to listen to one another in the process because it doesn't make sense to hold a debate or have a conversation if you're not going to learn from it. Keyword is conversation. This is not a debate. We we trying to find the common ground on everything. That's the whole point. Common ground. The world needs common ground. Bye, guys. See you in September. Woo, have a great, safe summer. Ah! <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>